Welcome, everybody, to Tanish and Tracy, our podcast where we talk about The Walking Dead and whatever else might uh, come upon us that, that sounds interesting. But tonight, it's definitely The Walking Dead. Hey, Tanish. Hey, everybody. <laughs> we're really happy to be back. Uh, we're so sorry that we missed last week. Um, illness just sort of took over. And it just wasn't going to happen, but um, we're we're back in action. There's so much to talk about. We want to um, update you guys a little bit on our trip to Walker Soccer Con in Atlanta, and then we have a little bit of listener feedback that we want to touch on before we get into this week's episode and all that has come from that. So we're going to forgo a game because we had fun and games at Walker Soccer Con, right, Tamish? Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. If you haven't had a chance to attend one, I absolutely recommend that you at least go to one Walker Soccer Con, and you can do it economically and mm-hmm. still enjoy yourself, I promise. Yes, there's there's a lot there to take in. In fact, you can't really cover it all. You You have to make some choices and some decisions. So, um, you can make decisions for things that are more economical, or if you have the funds to make some choices for some things that um, cost more, you can certainly go that route too. What? Um, give me a couple of highlights for you, Tanish. What, what was uh, some of the high points for you? At Walker Soccer Con, correct? So correct. So Walker, <laughs> so Walker Soccer Con, I finally got a chance to meet Norman Reedus, and he has Woo-hoo! been on my bucket list forever. <laughs> And so I finally got to I meet him, Tracy and I. We got our photo out with him. It was a it was a quick thirty seconds, but I got two hugs out of it, and it was like, yeah. Yes. So I was very very excited. So I'd have to say that was at least two highlights of the Walker Star. There you Park. go. There you go. Those two hugs. And uh, she right. said there were there were two hugs that she received, everybody. But I think she told me maybe five times that she received two hugs. That, hey! That <laughs> there you go. Yes, it was. I'd have to admit it, that. And he, and he, even for those few seconds, he was a genuinely nice person. And I was very course. happy to hear um, that he has a new little one um, that just yes. arrived. That so is exciting. I was excited about that for him. Um, mm-hmm. as a person and not the character Daryl, but as a leader. <laughs> yeah. So I was excited yeah. about that, too. Um, well, that was – go ahead. I'll say that was definitely one of my highlights, too, uh, uh, doing that photo op together. Um, Tamisha and I don't do a whole lot of photo ops. We've done one before with Tamika Martin-Green, and this was our second one. Um, so we're not necessarily pros at it, but we did the planning. We made sure we picked up the ticket on time. We had a sign that we made, and um, it was just fun experiencing that together and I mean who doesn't like you know being right there next to Norman Rita so I mean say it again (laughs) so much fun so what were you going to say next huh so again I would have to say um I'd have to say I enjoyed um doing the uh panel um with Michael Roker he was really hilarious this year I had never gone to Mm -hmm. a panel with him by himself and so okay. I had a chance to experience that, and I really enjoyed that a lot. Yes. He was funny, and he went all the way out into the <laughs> audience. So for those that haven't been to Walker Soccer uh, Con, they have 
a panel uh, where they have it on the convention floor, and then they have a big one where they have it up in the auditorium. And Michael Roca was actually on the convention floor. Not so convention. it was a little more intimate, and he, uh, like I said, interacted with the audience. And so um, his, just his whole characterization was pretty good. It was. It was. And um, Atlanta is probably the biggest of all the conventions. So Tanisha's right. They do have, like, a auditorium set up for – some panels and then some on the main floor of the convention and then even a small stage, what they call the live stage, where they do little shorter interviews. But some of the smaller cities don't actually have a separate auditorium. They may just have the convention hall stage and the live stage. So, you know, you can you can check out what different cities have to offer depending upon the size of the facility and everything. But there are definitely uh, all those options um, in Atlanta. And yeah, I, Michael Rooker, he was, uh, hard to keep up with, cause yeah, he was moving all around through the audience, taking questions, um, just taking the microphone right up to folks. And, um, I was, uh, I had fun seeing his curly hair. What do you think ah. of his hair? <laughs> he had a ton of curly hair, um, and, uh, had a hat on, but you could still see the curls. And, you know, from the show, we're used to the shaved head, and then, of course, Yondu and Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, the shaved head with the, the thing on top, you know. But he has a lot of curly hair. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. 100%. And a lot of energy. I would have to say that he and he he probably rivals um, Iron E. Singleton. They both are very enthusiastic, very energetic. I'm I'm not sure. If you had to pick, which one would you think? is more energetic in a panel. I'd probably say irony. Okay. All right. I, yeah, I'd have yeah. to say irony, but uh, Michael Roca is right there behind him. Yeah. And I yeah. played uh, T-Dog in the uh, Walking Dead, for those that uh, may not know him by his uh, name. Yeah. Yeah. T-Dog. So, um, well, I, I particularly enjoyed uh, meeting Yvette Nicole Brown. That was our actually our first doc at the convention on Friday afternoon. We hit her table first, and she was very welcoming and um, just smiled, you know, gave us a hug, took, you know, a cool photo, just very, very genuine and, and generous. Um, it's just fun interacting with someone else who just, I mean, everyone there is a fan, obviously, but, you know, she kind of takes it to another level, I would say. So, um that was that was really cool. We got to talk to her for a few minutes. <laughs> and she was. She was hilarious. We really did yes. enjoy her. Extremely <laughs> personable. Whatever you yeah. see on T V, that's what you're gonna get in real life. And that yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And then um not uh, not far from her table was um Avi Nash and I had been looking forward to meeting him and so we did that actually on Sunday. And we get to um, ask him a question, pick his brain a little bit, and uh, get a photo. So he was a, a really nice guy as well. Um, I don't and think there's really. And you want to remind him who Avi Nash is? Avi Nash, he plays Sadiq, who is uh, the resident doctor who was in his residency before the zombie apocalypse happened. So he wasn't fully a doctor yet, but. He was well on his way, and he's the best choice that we've had at this point. <laughs> so, and he's, uh, yeah, 
training Enid. So, yeah, that, was, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Those doctors are hard to come by. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, the panels. I always enjoy those as well. There's often a lot of funny moments in um, the Abraham's Army with uh, Josh McDermott, Michael Cutlitz, and Christian Serratos um, had a lot of good laughs in it. Um, oh, and another highlight, of course, was seeing Coleman Domingo. And, um, yeah, he gives the yeah. best hug. Yeah, he really does. He really does. Everyone raves about his hugs. Um, and just such a great sense of humor. And we were able to um, get a photo with Coleman and Kim Dickens, who um, played Madison on Fear of the Walking Dead. So that was a lot of fun. I added to my lost um, photos by meeting Maggie Grace, who plays Shannon on Lost, of course, plays Althea or Al on Fear of the Walking Dead. So it's just so many neat opportunities. That's the thing. It's, it was such a huge list of guests there. And so you had to just kind of pick and choose, make your budget, um, look at your time, look at your commitments uh, for getting to different events, and uh, just run with it. But, boy, we, we packed a lot in. We stayed the whole time, I think, every day. Um, we did. We, for the first year, we shut it down. We literally we were watching we out yes. when they were packing yes. up. Yes, so. yes, that's right. Andrews was not going to leave anyone um in his line, and so the convention was shutting down, and we had to exit immediately after we said hello to him. But um, that was that was very generous of him to wait and and talk to everyone. So yeah, it's just a, it's just a neat time. And uh, I was a, I was a little ill before the convention and getting better, and then I think going so hard uh, at the convention probably set me back again last week, but. I think I have turned a corner, but uh, yeah, it's it's a good time, definitely a good I time, and it's, and it's so much fun to do with a friend. So you know, yes, it's a, it's and, a it's, great... and it, it really is. It's, it, it is fun if you are able to go with someone else, but that's not to say if you have to go by yourself, you can still have a good uh-huh. time too. Uh-huh. We, that is um, true. We were able to. Um, find good food inside the convention hall as well as outside and it's like uh-huh. food we need something that you can pick up fast and quick. You know, mm-hmm. not to say that you could not walk across the street to find some other restaurants, but right. if you want to keep going, keep to a schedule, it's best if you eat within the convention. And the prices were what you would expect for a convention. You were going to pay an average of $14 for yeah, a, for a, a meal. Mm-hmm. Yep, for a fast food meal, that is. Yeah. And so um, you will see regular vendors in there, and you will say, well, wait a minute, it doesn't usually cost that much, but just keep in mind you're at a convention. And so. Yes, there's a, they're at a premium. So, yeah. Or you could go the route like, like Morgan and bring some protein bars in your backpack <laughs> and some bottles of water. You can bring food and drinks in. So we did a little bit of that as well. You definitely want to stay hydrated. Um, but And then, of course, you know, not to mention all the artists that are there and the vendors. There's just so much shopping. It, there's just rows and rows of, of vendors that you can um, shop. So just good stuff. But we better move on into our listener feedback. Um, we don't need to talk a whole lot about last week's episode, I think, because – everything sort of turned on a dime this week and 
so much has changed. And some questions that we even posed last week um, on the blog site don't necessarily even really, I don't want to say matter at this point. Circumstances have changed so much. But um, I did want to uh, point out that Melissa um, gave us a, a, a lot of feedback. She she went through the questions that we posted on, on the website and gave us some, some great insights. And one thing in particular that I thought was interesting, um, I had asked her, or asked everyone, of course, what did Carol make the right decision by letting the leaving the saviors to their own devices? Right. Um, and she pointed out that they really needed someone from within their own ranks for it to work. You know, that maybe Carol could consult or someone else could kind of be a support, but that they really, she felt like they really needed someone from within their own group to rise up and and take on that challenge. And I, I told her I thought it looks like they were kind of grooming or that Laura uh, with the, the tattoo on her neck, the blonde, yeah. um, that she might be a possibility because she was kind of stepping up a little bit in some situations. But um, so I, I, liked, I liked that feedback. I thought that was a good point. Of course, now we don't know what has happened to the saviors. Um, there was the fight at the camp or the you know the gunfire um, started at the camp in episode four last week um, and when Rick arrives back this week at the camp there are a lot of walkers and some uh, we see Kathy from Oceanside and um, we can kind of recognize a few folks you know from being from the camp so we don't know um, who made it and who did not so we don't even really know, I think, if there are a group of saviors anymore. What if, what if they all, you know, died um, or were attacked by other people who had turned? Um, and then we have, of course, spoiler alert, this huge, huge time jump coming um, in the next episode. Will we ever see the saviors group again? So I loved Melissa's answer and that insight how it should be someone from within a in their group um, to, to step up and lead. But at this point, we don't really know um, what remains of the Saviors group. But we do appreciate Melissa answering all those questions. Um, she just has great insights. We've had her on the podcast before, and, and hopefully she'll join us again sometime. But we really do appreciate the feedback. Um, Always, Melissa. Thank you yeah. so much. And Ken from Chicago on Twitter um, he let us know that he had really wanted to maybe see Lori um, in episode five um, and and even hoped for maybe a Carl sighting. And, of course, neither of those <laughs> did. No, neither of those happened um, this week. But um, I hear you, Ken. I, I, I would have liked some of that as well. Um, we'll get more into that in a few minutes. But, um Definitely, if you have questions about the episodes, comments about the episodes, theories, send them our way because we would love to add them to our discussion each week. So thank you for that, guys. So on to episode five. Tamish? All right. Do you want to kick so, us off? Where do you want to start with that? Where do you, you want to start with that? So this is the big episode with uh, mm-hmm. what was going to happen with Rick. Mm-hmm. Rick Grimes, because this is Rick Grimes' last episode, and so I, I wonder, just off the top of my head, what the numbers were for the viewing of this episode. 
Right. Yeah, we'll have to, have to wait and see. I think they they have different stages they look at, like the first few days and then like after seven days, and some numbers include DVR and some there's live viewers. So um, we should check with Jay at so many shows because he's going to keep an up with that. Um, hey, Jay. And so, Let us know. <laughs> um, yes. And so in this episode, we're, we're coming back. Uh, what was the name of the episode, Tracy? What comes after? Is that correct? Yes. No, it is. Yes, that's what I have. Okay. Yes, what okay. comes after. So mm-hmm. when we left, she, Rick was uh, pinned uh, with, I guess that's a bar, a rebar or something, and his whole rebar, yeah. had was impaled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was impaled, and the walkers were closing in, and I love, love, love how that camera went up and showed us how all the directions the walkers were coming, by the way. So when we started, that's where we were, and we honestly, we didn't know. Um, I think uh, my first thought was that we were going to see that this was a dream and that he was already dead. I uh-huh. that's, that's mm-hmm. what my initial thought was. What okay. was your initial thought? Uh, I did wonder. I couldn't really think of a scenario where he could get up fast enough. So I did, and I even mentioned this to Melissa, in our email exchange, I wondered if everything we saw in the previews with him on the horse, I wondered if it was all a dream or a hallucination. Um, when in fact, it turns out he actually was riding on the house, on the horse, um, different places. But I, I, I'm like you, I, I, I tended to lean toward this has got to be some kind of dream because how's he going to get off of this rebar? And I, I have to give a shout out to that white horse. That, that was, I was like, you you better go, because I just thought we were going to have another casualty, um, another yeah. animal casualty in the Walking Dead. But that horse stuck by Mr. Rick Grimes as long as it possibly could. And I was yeah. like, so I have to give uh, mad props to that horse. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know your name, but I just want you to know that I thought you did a superb job uh, keeping up with Rick with all those uh, walkers around. Good job, horsey horse. And I believe, this is my, my theory, that um, I believe that was Kathy's horse from Oceanside, is my guess, because uh-huh. when the okay. when the gunfire broke out, she had just pulled, you know, just come up upon the group on a white horse, and then the gunfire went off, and then Rick and Daryl hear the gunshots, you know, down in the pit or the sinkhole, um, and before you know it, there's a white horse that has appeared. And I don't know how far apart everything was, but I mean, they had just left the camp. So I'm thinking that her white horse was, you know, spooked by the gunfire and, um, ran off. So I'm thinking that was her horse. And then of course later at the camp, we see her, um, reanimated as a walker and she falls down on top of Rick. Um, so she clearly didn't make it. But a lot of people have said, where did this horse come from? And, and that's my guess. I guess where the horse came from. And you know what? I'm going to have to go with that guess because I didn't even think about it like that. But that actually is a very good theory about where the horse came from. So. Thanks, Betsy. So I have to say, too, it was a very striking image seeing the horse become more and more bloody because it's a white horse. And then as he's bleeding out more and more, seeing the blood on the white horse. I mean, it's unsettling, but I just thought, like, as far as like cinema photography, you know, it was just a very striking image. Um, 
It was. And I, I'm, glad, I'm glad that in each, um, uh, what is it, vision or each visitor he had as he went back, mm-hmm. I went along his way that his uh, injury kept getting worse. Because yes. sometimes when we go back, go back and have these visions and everything, the, the, the injury is not there, per se, mm-hmm. or it's not getting worse. I was um, completely uh, struck by the visual effect of the blood and the of gushing. The mm-hmm. Huh? The gushing. It was just pouring out towards the end. Yes, it yes. Really it was gushing. But when he was eating the hamburger with Shane, uh-huh. yeah, um, but uh, I really liked where the blood was on his hands because I was like, okay, I was like, uh-huh. okay, I, I was like, I was trying to deal with this. I was like, all right, but I will have to say that I did get scared a couple times. <laughs> when we did say when they, when they got to the end of whatever they were trying to lead Mr. Rick Grimes into, wake up, and it was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially when Shane told him to wake up, and he kind of shouted it at him, and and then there was that Walker right, you know, in his face. So yeah, he visits three people from his past in these these dream sequences, and you're right, that did create a really interesting contrast to see him bleeding, and you know, yeah, he's eating the sandwich, but his hands are bloody because that's where he's at, where everything else looked, you know, normal. So it was it was cool. I agree that. It was cool that they didn't like make him look like he was okay in the sequences. He still looked, um, you know, still had his injury. But did any of those three? He um, he meets with Shane. He meets with Herschel, which was definitely bittersweet um, with his his recent passing. I think a lot of people, as sad as it was, you know, and hard to see him. I think it may have helped people a little bit too. To kind of have that to hold on to, knowing that he, you know, did that performance recently. But um, at any rate, the second visit was with Herschel, and then a visit with Sasha. Did um, any of those three stand out to you more than others, or um, did you appreciate one of them more than the others? I, I didn't because I, I appreciated them all on the same level mm-hmm. because we each had to bring some type of closure. For it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it, I think that's what this for me that's what the sequences did. Uh, mm-hmm. It was bringing closure to things that had been bothering him. Mm-hmm. It's to as he met each individual, he was really voicing what he could not do because they were no longer with us, and he right. blamed himself for every single death of mm-hmm. those individuals. Yeah, I, I will right. say that I was shocked that they did not have Stephen or. I'm sorry, Glenn. They yeah. And now that, I, I was very surprised. I was right. very surprised that he was not uh, one of them. Or Abraham. While we're talking well, about, I, I was surprised that one, I, of, I have them, to, one of them. Mm-hmm. I have to think it wasn't a conscious choice not to have them. I think it was probably a matter of who was available and then working it, you know, into the story. Um, because I can't, I, I mean, personally, I can't imagine that they would have not chosen to, to bring Glenn into one of those sequences if he had, had been available. But, again, I don't know exactly what transpired. Um, but we did hear Abraham's voice. I always watch with a closed caption. And every once in a while someone says, what's your wound? Um, and one of the voices was Abraham. 
And so if you go back and watch with closed captions or just listen really carefully, you can hear his voice. So he was sort of um, in the episode. But I particularly, okay. I, I liked the Shane interaction because it was, well, it, you know, just all the callbacks and everything, you know, to the pilot, of course. But it had some humor in it. But it kind of like talked about the elephant or elephants in the room. Like like you said, all that stuff had been wearing on Rick all these years. But the way Shane talks and the type of friend he was, he would just sort of cut to the chase um, and just tell it like it is. And it's okay that they didn't agree on everything um, because that's the kind of friends they were. So it was, I really enjoyed seeing that. And then I found the Herschel dream sequence to be, um, I saw that as very much a comfort to Rick. Um, the one with Sasha, I would love if you have some insight for me because that one confused me um, as to why everyone was dead. I don't, I mean, like, was her point to just say that ultimately everybody's going to die and you just do your part? Um, what did you get from that interaction? Oh yeah, that's why she was on the dead bodies because she had taken, she gave her life for some other individual and everybody that I'm assuming was laying down there had given their life for somebody else, which is why okay. all those had, were dead. Mm-hmm. And so I took it as that it was not Rick's responsibility, although okay. Sasha was insinuating at the time that Rick was going to mm-hmm. die, she was saying that Everybody has to make a sacrifice. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has to give up some part of their life. Uh, we know that Sasha did because she uh, killed herself in hopes of helping the family, the team. Right. Over there. Uh, Rick's, Rick's whole group over there and was hoping that by making the sacrifice of her life, it would help save them. So I think right. that everybody that was dead on the ground had made mm-hmm. some type of sacrifice for right. somebody that okay. was on doing the apocalyptic journey. Yes. Such a mouthful. Okay. So he has these visits. They it they both they all sort of give him some input or some something to chew on as he's trying to make this journey. Um and he keeps saying he's looking for his family and of course in the pilot he was looking specifically for um Lori and Carl, and then I, I, I feel like in this episode, he ultimately realizes he's looking for his, you know, basically his group, that they're all kind of part of his family. They're all doing this together. But, you know, initially, I think it's important to point out that initially, his whole goal getting on the horse was to draw them away from the bridge because he didn't want the bridge to fall. And then ultimately, what happens at the end is he does want the bridge them to go across the bridge and for it to fall because that at that point they're on their way and could get to hilltop and you know do more damage so he's trying at that point he's trying to not just divert them away from the bridge and people he's trying to stop them um and of course the bridge holds and uh it doesn't collapse and then he you know makes the choice to fire at the dynamite or the explosives and the whole thing blows. And we think Rick's gone with him. This is his last episode. We feel like he's made this ultimate sacrifice after having all these, you know, heartwarming interactions and memories and, and things. We think he's gone. And, 
Then we go back to Anne slash Jadis with her helicopter mission. Uh, and I felt like, okay, I, I really thought, Tanisha, I really thought Rick's gone. He made this sacrifice. He did all that he could do. You know, it, it seemed poetic. It, you know, I was like, okay, he went out in a you know blaze of glory, you know, whatever, trying to help. But then I thought, are they just going to leave that story with Anne and the helicopter? Like, it just, it didn't finish, you know. Are we going to pick up on that another episode? It just seemed really random. Well, sure enough, they went back to her. She calls the helicopter. She sees that Rick has washed up um, on the bank, and she chooses to make him as, like, not an offering, but, you know, she, that's who she wants the helicopter to pick up. And it's like this epiphany for her that he saved her. She wants to save him. And they play the song Space Junk from the pilot when – after Glenn had just reached out on the walkie and, uh, you know, we thought that he was going to, you know, we, we get that hope that Rick will be saved in the pilot. Now we get this hope that he'll be saved with the helicopter and they fly off. So what do you think, Tamish? So I, I did. I thought they should have just killed Rick off. Uh, uh-huh. I think that okay. uh, dragging it on was a little too much. And so I do. I did watch uh, Talking Dead, and I did mm-hmm. where they did state that they were going to start. They were going to end his story on The Walking Dead, but his story would continue on through uh, feature films and digital. And you know, they would have his story continue um, that way. So. Right. I think that I think that in uh, my opinion, I, and again, this is my opinion. I think that mm-hmm. The Walking Dead kind of chickened out by not taking him out completely because now okay. you're still giving um, hope. Where you know you had built it up, Rick's last episode, and technically mm-hmm. it is his last episode. But mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, I think it was a play on words for me, in a sense, mm-hmm. and I and I yeah. think that they, I think that it would have brought more closure for me at least because I'm a diehard uh, Rick Grimes fan all the way through. You you could not find a stronger fan here because I followed his journey all the way mm-hmm. I'm from Atlanta, all of that stuff, and then to where he is now. So yeah. I would have preferred seeing him go out in a blaze of glory, uh, the bridge would have been a perfect way to end it, and then mm-hmm. let's see what's going to happen next. Um, I still feel um, empty. I still feel like it's uh, not quite finished yet. I think that um, I'm not sure how I'm going to adjust to seeing a, a, separate, a completely separate storyline, and it, it, mm-hmm. and it probably is going to be okay. But until I actually see it, my thought yeah. now is I wish that they had just taken him completely out. And so then mm-hmm. that would have given, I know, me some time to say, okay, now we don't have Rick Grimes. How are we moving on and everything? I So I'll be interested to see now that we have a time jump um, on The Walking Dead and all the things that I'm, I'm sharing have already been stated. It was stated last night mm-hmm. um, on the Walking Dead, and it's since been posted, so I'm not giving anything out that is not already out there. So no, we have another time jump, 
And so we're seeing uh, Judith, who is fine, mm-hmm. who I know I made a statement before on one of our podcasts about how Judith is still a, a young child. Well, no more. <laughs> Judith yep. is getting ready to come around. So I'll, I, I'm not sure what this holds for me. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm still um, 50-50. Uh, but I am going to be willing to give it, you know, give it a chance. But mm-hmm. I am not happy about the way that it ended uh, with Rick Grimes. Okay, okay. Well, I do want to say that I think it could, it was very poetic, for lack of a better term, with him and the bridge. Like you said, that would have been a good ending because he was so much about making it work, making it work, being the leader, making this new um life work with the communities and the bridge was such a big part of that. And then in the end, he really went with his heart, you know, with saving them from these walkers potentially getting into Hilltop and making, you know, more drama and making a sacrifice. So I kind of felt like he, he, he led with his heart instead of just his head. And that, you know, that was very poetic. Of course, there ended up being more of the story with him washing up on the bank. But I, I did think that was – I could have seen it end there. And I, I I see that you would have preferred it to end there. I, I'm just saying I thought thought that part was well done. As far as him washing up on the bank in the helicopter, I had said in our last podcast that I was hoping that there would be a scenario where he was taken on the helicopter. I didn't really think of it as a scenario where he would be saved as much as maybe just taken against his will, um, you know, and it, it being sort of open ended. So I was I was okay with that and actually even excited about that. Now, I can't totally wrap my head around what it's going to be like with this trilogy of movies. Like, I, you know, obviously I don't know where they're going to go. Um, I, I understand that Pollyanna McIntosh is going to be in these movies um, and continue this story with him. So it sounds like we will not see her on The Walking Dead show anymore either. But it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around, okay, how is he going to be somewhere else um, and keep telling the story and not be desperately trying to get back to Michonne and Judith and, and his friends. Um, or will he? What will the conflict be? What will, it's hard for me to imagine the scenario. So that, that's, I am confused about how that will play out. But I was excited ab- about him getting on the helicopter. That, is, that was something, you know, I had kind of wished for. Um, but then my thing is, okay, so, but then why say, this is his last episode. So instead, because the, that, but soap that literally soaked the flames here, and then he's still here. So you literally got us for our diehard Rick Grimes fan, Andy Nicky fan. You literally got us ready to be like, oh my gosh! And then it was like, whoa! Well, it was so the way I look at it. The way I look at it is his exit. It was his last episode. It was his exit from the series when he flew up on the helicopter. It, it suggests that they're going to fly far, far away, and somehow there won't, you know, apparently be contact. I, again, I can't figure it out in my head how they're going to do it, but they they never, you know, they did not say um, Rick's death comes in three episodes or two episodes. Um, they said Rick's last episode. And it, it, so I just have to trust that that is his last episode. Or his exit. I, I tend to think of it as his exit from the series. Um, I was never convinced that he was 
necessarily going to die because even Andrew Lincoln had been saying all along that it wasn't the end of Rip Grimes' story or you know something uh, to that effect. It was these hints and things. I think so. I took that as his children, i.e. Judas, Michelle's,
But then when he gets on the helicopter, I kind of forget, oh, they don't know. They're still feeling that. That's so gut-wrenching because they're still experiencing this gut-wrenching pain, but I'm not feeling it as much because I know this other piece. Like That's kind of what I was alluding to. But with the time jump of the six years, you know, are we going to hear much about their grief anyway? Are we kind of – are we going to miss that um, that piece of the story? I mean, obviously, it'll, it'll have to come up, but um, it's such a, a long – such a big I think that we I think that in the previews, we're, we're seeing the grief manifest itself in anger. Um, mm, from okay. the short little clip that we saw mm-hmm. from Mama Jones. So I think that's – yeah. I think from what we've seen – so far, that that looks like what's going to happen. Okay. Instead of it turning into something else, right. being motivated and moving forward, I, it looks like it's turning into anger. Okay. And we've got five new characters on the screen, of course. Well, before we get before we get to the five new characters, yeah. we got to talk about Maggie's interaction. Okay. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do that. And then and then circle back to the new characters because mm-hmm. then that'll mm-hmm. sum us up. Mm-hmm. And everything. So I um so she went in there to kill him and that's what a lot of people have voted for. Um mm-hmm. that he should have been killed much earlier, so she finally had her chance and then she didn't do it. Yeah. She she didn't kill him. <laughs> so what was your thoughts on that? I as uh, my thoughts were that all of that after she all had that, had all this year and a half of I've got to do something about this. This is not resolved. This is not settled. We have to take him out. But she had not seen him. She had not seen what he had become. She, you know, it, he was still the guy standing there with the bat in her mind. You know, so it was. She had this one view of things and one solution. So I think it all caught her off guard when she saw just how messed up he'd actually become. And she said, you know, you're, you're feeling worse than than death, so we're done. Get back in your cell. So I thought it was a really good performance by both of them. Um, I really did. I mean, her her anger and her emotion and her grief and then with where he was and had become, um, you know, I don't really feel sorry for him, but he clearly is in a, you know, a bad place and um you know it reminded me of when Morgan was telling the the uh, cheesemaker kill me kill me kill me you know, very much reminded me of that scene um so I thought it was my thoughts are it was very well acted I understood why she put him back in the cell because I feel like she thought that was that was even worse than what she could do to him and he was asking for her to kill him and she wasn't going to give him what he wanted she was going to let him suffer now in that way. Um, so, okay, I think I, I think that he was a shell of a man. I think mm-hmm. that once again, if you have talked all this mess and all this and your anger and everything, and I I, I understand that he is not the Negan that killed your uh, husband. Mm-hmm. But that was supposed to bring you somewhat of a closure. And mm-hmm. I saw how I first, when Michonne was blocking Maggie going mm-hmm. into jail, I saw how that looked like it could have 
killed their friendship when finally Michelle finally saw where she was coming from and was like, uh-huh. you know what? I'm going to let her do it. So I think yeah. that I would have liked to have seen Maggie at least, I don't know, break a hand, break a foot, and then say, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to leave you. I'm going to go ahead and leave you in the jail cells to suffer with mm-hmm. this in the way that you were show of a man because she had asked so much, so many times and had even shown so much anger and even almost got Rick and Daryl killed in the pit because she was going mm-hmm. to kill Negan. So yeah. I think that it did not do me any justice, me as the viewer, uh, to watch it as she just decided, you know what, riding away is good enough for you. Mm-mm. I think that she needed to lay hands on him just a little bit because of all the anger that she had built up. Mm-hmm. And I do get that he is not the same thing again, and I agree mm-hmm. that he needs to rot, but I think that she should have <laughs> a little bit of pain. Yeah. I think she was just, I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. Those are good points. I think she was so blindsided with her own emotion and grief, which were obviously valid, but she had been so removed from him. You know, you wonder now, is she could she possibly think, well, yeah, maybe I should go back and you know, do something to make it worse. But I think it just caught her off guard so much that what, you know, what had kind of, become of him i mean it's so easy to get lost in your your anger and your feelings about something sometimes things can fester and and again for obvious reasons they had but um it just seemed like she was really surprised by what she saw but i guess um the the word on the street is that we're not going to see her the rest of the season either that um, this is like her. Now I wonder how that's gonna play out. They just—they literally went to go check on the savers. Then it's gonna be another heat. <laughs> What's that? It's gonna be another heat. He oh. just disappeared. <laughs> where? Where is he? Hashtag where yeah. is he? Well, know. I mean, okay. I mean, the majority of folks I think think they're probably gonna say that she took Herschel and went to stay with Georgie. And that group, because they kept mentioning all those letters she's getting, how Georgie wants her to come there with them, whoever they are. So I think that's probably the the, the cover story <laughs> or whatever, you know, since she has her, her pilot, her show coming up um, in 2019. So, but, and, and I mean, it was such a big deal with Andrew Lincoln's exit. You know, it's just interesting to me that they would both go kind of, they would be there both of, for both of them, their last episode, but not all the fanfare, you know, with her. But I think hers is probably more open-ended. You know, maybe she could possibly still come back for guest spots or something. So, um, but it's just, it was weird when I saw some articles and, and things that were saying, oh, yeah, this was, you know, Maggie's last episode this season, too. Um, I didn't really think about that, but um, apparently that's the case. Okay, uh, well, I'm not, I, I'm not happy about that, but I'll be interested <laughs> to see how that plays out because yeah. literally she is running from Megan's cell to go step on the stage and then poof. So <laughs> I'll be interested how that happens. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, lot of, a lot of questions, a lot of questions. 
I did really right. like that that imagery of that barn or that building when we look out and it it just you saw it on screen just sort of uh, disintegrate or you know you could see the t- the time change of the six years. Do you know what I, do you want to talk about? I'm not sound like a crazy person. We no, look out. You don't sound like a crazy person, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So seeing that time change on screen and then seeing the new characters out in the field surrounded by the walkers, I just thought that was, again, with the cinema photography, I thought that was a pretty cool image. So should we talk about new characters now? Yes. Tell me. (laughs) I mean, I'm excited. We've seen them in the, in the trailer. Um, that they sh- they showed at Comic Con back in the summer, so we, we knew there were some new folks on the horizon. And um, I did see an article out on ComicBook.com that you know gives their names. I guess it's Connie and Kelly are sisters. Um, there's a guy named Luke, and then a woman. I think it's Yumiko. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And then Magna. So yeah, I mean they. They were the way we, you know, met the older Judith Grimes um, with her helping them get out of that bad spot. So um, it was that was cool. And uh, you know, can we trust them? Can we not? I, I'm not a comic book reader, so I don't know a lot about them. But um, I think it. I was going to say neither do I. Neither. Do you. <laughs> I will. I will. I'm not a meaning. I don't read the comic books, but. Um, Hmm. I don't know what to make of them just yet yeah. because yeah. they said on um they said that this is about to be the introduction to the whispers that's going to be coming yeah. up so I don't know if they yeah. have a direct relation to those individuals but yeah. we shall see I um I have to hold off my official opinion <laughs> yeah. about them right. um I need to see them in a couple of episodes so mm-hmm. I um will be interested to see. I think it's. I just think it's fun how Judith seems to trust them, wants to help them. It reminds me a bit of Carl with Michonne, um, letting her. Well, he, he he brought in. I guess did Rick let Michonne in? He encountered her at the gates. Yes. But then Carl let in Tyrese and Sasha and what was it Alan? Okay. Uh, that group. Um, that, so I guess it reminded me of that's what I'm thinking of that scene where he brings them in um, and locks them in that room and and says you know we're gonna check you out first but you know we'll basically we'll try to help you um, so I thought that was just a fun comparison how I do, is, I do. bringing I, people I, do. I agree I think it's fun yeah so I mean I'm excited I was at, I was really happy with the whole thing, but I, I can see how you can feel differently. Um, so it was it was just a lot to take in, you know, all those dream sequences, seeing, you know, old memories and then seeing new characters and then finding out he goes on the helicopter and Maggie Cole mission changing us. And it, it was a lot to take in. So I, I knew we would just have a ton to talk about tonight. Yes, yeah. I have to give it to um, Mr. Uh, Greg Nicotero. He did a great yeah. job. So yeah, he I did. Was, I wasn't able to follow it completely. I was yeah. not confused. I understood everything that was going on. 
I yeah. love the, the uh, shout a uh, shout back, if that's even a word. To the <laughs> Um, I love yeah. how one of my favorites in the dream sequence was when he was walking through Atlanta again and all the cars. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of mm-hmm. that. But, so I have to, I have to say, I, he said that it was going to be a very visually, uh, what did he say? Impactful. Maybe I may be paraphrasing. Okay. Okay. I get your drift. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely. Um, a, a work of art, for sure. So, are you? Um, you, you think you, you trust in Angela Kang? You think she's got a grip on this, or are you just reserving your judgment for the rest of the season? Well, I will. Okay, so I will have to say that Angela, I do appreciate how you're time jumping right now. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate that because I do believe that we need to, we need to move along. Um, mm-hmm. I will be interested to see if we finally stop and then just enjoy where we're at. Okay. Because yeah. I, I don't I don't know that we need to time jump anymore. We did need to check up with stuff. Right. Um, so I have to give her two thumbs up for that. Yeah, I've been thrilled with the pace. I think of all the big events that have happened so far in five episodes, and I'd be like, this could have crossed, like, two seasons in the past. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. I, yes, this could have been a couple of seasons in the past. Um, there, there's something to be said about, you know, just trusting that you have content and just moving the action along and not, you know, dragging it out. Um, it's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't take away from the impact of these events, it just gets me even more engaged. So I am loving the pace. But yeah, I think we could hold at this six year jump for, you know, a little while. And so. just wait for a second. What do you say? Well, we don't need to see Michelle with a cane, you know, or something like that. So let's just hold where we are for a while. Not the um, cane. <laughs> not the cane, no. With a lot of content, so. And I think I think that we have done very well this evening discussing it. <laughs> you too. I've enjoyed discussing it. It's, it's been I, I I always enjoy discussing it with you. And I'm anxious for folks to tell us what you think because we're kind of coming from two different angles here. So what do we say? Team to me, team tracking, right? Uh, to start. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to hear you do your hashtag team to me. That's right. Hashtag team to me. Keep it going. Oh. Yeah. But there's just there's views. That's what we really have. Really. This good. episode definitely elicits strong opinions. So we want to know what yours are. Everybody listening. So please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Tanish Tracy. T A N E C H E. T-R-A-C-E-Y, two names together. Um, we are a proud partner of so many shows.com. You'll see posts about the podcast at so many shows.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes and Google. And, uh, just, you can email me at Tracy at so many shows.com. Uh, if you'd like to communicate that way, did you have an email you want to share to me or any contact info? You can reach me at Twitter. 
You can you can always reach me on my personal. Head off the Twitter. Okay. Huh? All right. Yes. You can always reach me um there. So it will be just at uh Tamish uh, underscore B. There you go. At Tamish underscore B. So yeah, reach out, let us know what you're thinking. What are your thoughts on the rest of the season? Are you excited? Are you not excited? Are you sad? Are you mad? Uh, just tell us, tell us how you're feeling about it. We'd love to know and, and um, share some of that feedback on the podcast. So, phew, I think that's enough to take in for tonight. Tanisha, I don't think I could handle another plot point than we've already I would agree with you. I don't think I have. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for uh, hashing it out with me. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. Anytime. All right. We'll check you all later. Good night. Peace.